a very good evening to you. Once again to Sweet and Swing here on Max Radio. My name's Howard Kane. Probably know that by now. Friday night, nine o'clock. It's that time. For what? Well, how about some Reginald Leopold at the Grand Hotel? Some more sentimental Bing Crosby. We've got Fat Swallow. More Flanders and Swan. But to start off, shall we dance? That's a good enough way to get going, isn't it? Shall we dance? And hopefully you might have been skipping round the floor or doing whatever you do on a Friday night. No, I won't go there. Just leave it at that. The music of Geraldo. John Wilson and his orchestra play the classic big band arrangements of Geraldo. And uh, in a CD recorded uh, more recently than that, Geraldo might be around. Just looking to see if there's a recording date on it. Uh, looks like it's around about the 1990s, but can't see a specific date. I'll flip through the notes and see if I can uh, tell you more. Uh, suffice to say, the notes are written by Malcolm Laycock from BBC Radio 2, and he says these were extraordinary sessions. Some of Britain's finest young musicians gathered together under the leadership of John Wilson 
one of the most exciting young talents to emerge in recent years. The location, EMI's world-famous Abbey Road Studios, and there was a great sense of occasion. The technicalities of positioning the players and placement of the microphones had been planned meticulously by Mike Dutton, and Christine sat alongside him in the control booth, high above the studios, poring over the scores to make sure everything was faithfully played and captured. He goes on to say that I think only around four original Geraldo recordings exist of the 20 or so numbers the John Wilson Orchestra played at these sessions. That was why John wanted to record them. The title track, which we've just heard, of course, Shall We Dance, was performed and recorded by Geraldo in concert at the Royal Festival Hall, but most of this material was originally written for broadcast, after which it was gone forever. Until now, he says. And says, I had shivers of pleasure as the sessions progressed and reminded us some of Geraldo's own trademarks, the trombones, for example, and I listened to John's section with four tenor trombones melding with the same tone and vibrato. Great picture of them all recording the session as well. Not only, he says, has John rescued some marvellous and never-before-recorded music from oblivion, but he and all the musicians play it with such enthusiasm and skill for us all to appreciate and enjoy. It would not have been possible if Geraldo's widow, Manya, hadn't handed over the original scores into the care of the Royal College of Music. Here are 20 of them. John tells me there are thousands more. He's looking after them and restoring them, and Manya gave her blessing to allow him to record them. Thank goodness they were not lost forever. So there could be more of those, I don't know. Uh, a great lineup. It looks like it was a few years ago, in as much as uh, I see some names I recognise there. Uh, on drums, Matt Skelton, who actually is on the Isle of Man this very weekend. Uh, if you want to see Matt Skelton, slightly older than when he was uh, playing in this particular recording, then get yourself down to the Erin Arts Centre because you'll be playing there with the wonderful sax player Davo Higgins and his quartet. Also uh, featured on that, Phil Lee, the guitar player, Jeremy Barron, the bassist, and who else did I see I recognised along those names? Uh, Gordon Campbell and the great Mark Nightingale playing trombone. But uh, try as I might, having said all that, I can't actually see the recording details or date on it unless they've stuck it on the back somewhere. And even there, I'm struggling to see the actual recording date. Uh, here we go. We get it in the end. May 2002. So a mere 20 years ago. Yeah, best not to think about it, I reckon. Let's head off to Gay Paris. Not so gay at the moment, but it was when this was recorded. <laughs>
Michel Legrand and the trio. Very nice, that wasn't it? Paris in spring. Michel Legrand on piano, of course. Uh, Guy Pedersen, bass, and Gus Wally at the drums. Recorded in 1959 directly in Paris and from a collection with the happy name of 50 Reasons to Love Paris. Don't know if there's a great deal of love going on in Paris at the moment, unfortunately. There seems to be... Paris seems to hit the headlines for all the wrong reasons these days, doesn't it? You always think of it as the city of love and down on the banks and the artists and the food and the Seine and all the great work going on at Notre Dame to restore the church and the cathedral after the terrible fire and all the good things going on seem to get smothered out by all the riots and trouble that seems to dog the city or seems to have been dogging the city over the last few years. I'm sure there's lots of good work going on as well, but news being what it is, you never hear about that. We just hear the bad stuff, so we live in hope in any case. We'll get, I haven't been there for a while, but I will get back at some stage. It is a beautiful city. How about some Deep Purple? No, don't worry, don't worry, not that Deep Purple. This is Leslie Hutchinson with the orchestra. Thank you. 
Salt away some sugar for my sugar and me. I'm gonna stop today, save those nickels and dimes. Although I know that dreams and thrills and hugs and kisses are free, we'll need a nest egg when we hear those Mendelssohn chimes clank, 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 clank. Gonna cut down on the movies, clothes and cabarets too. Cut down on the lunches I'll bet before I get through I'll have a lot of do-re-me for two And maybe for three I'm gonna salt with sugar For my sugar and me Unmistakable, Fat Swallow, of course, who else? And, um, yeah, playing that again for uh, Sheila and John, regulars on the show, and uh, glad to hear that Sheila has been suffering a bit of late, is back home, and hopefully they're listening this evening. 
And that might put a smile on your face again as well. Enjoy and, uh, yeah, enjoy life, as they say. It's all too short, isn't it? You never think about it until you get older. When you're young and you're in your teens, you're indestructible and life is clearly going to last forever. And then you start getting a bit older and you think, oh, and then you sort of suddenly you think, oh, I'm in my 60s. And you think, how did that happen? I don't know. And then you suddenly think, I've probably got less time to go than I've had already. And, yeah, anyway, we'll leave it there. Make the most of everything, I suppose, is the motto, isn't it? Isn't it? Don't let a day go by without doing something that puts a smile on your face, enjoying something, smiling at other people and being good, even if you get much grumpier as I do as I get older. Leave it there, in any case. Fats Waller, the wonderful Fats Waller. And before that, Deep Purple, yeah, not the group Happily, but the, the, uh, the song Deep Purple, with Leslie Hutchinson. Now, interestingly, uh, unusually actually, for a bit of you know background information, I quite often turn to my Bible, England's second book of British dance band singers and smaller bands, but they don't really only have a very short section on Hutch, in as much as they've just got a paragraph down uh, to say, Leslie Hutchinson brackets Hutch 1900-1969, no relation to Leslie Jiver Hutchinson. He was a famous West Indian pianist and singer, who also made some dance records with Harry Roy. That's it. That's that's your lot, which is short and sweet. Uh, interestingly, uh, well, that seems a bit short, Mr. Wiki, Wikipedia, which I know you can't always rely, but on these sort of things, they're pretty good, is much better, very unusual, including a wonderful photo of uh, Leslie looking very handsome, a very handsome black man in, he's got riding boots, and I think they're riding trousers, looks like he's got a crop in his hand and a jumper, could be very modern looking, you know, he's really tall, handsome, Dude, I guess, would be the phrase now. <laughs> Beaming away sort of to one side and standing in front of what looks like rather a posh car. And it tells us considerably more that he was uh, born in Grenada, was one of the biggest cabaret stars in the world in the 20s and 30s, and uh, was born out in uh, the Windward Islands. He'd started, studied, he'd been a high flyer uh, academically originally, uh, and he'd started out in life, but had decided to go into music after taking piano lessons, he originally was going to uh, emigrate to study for a degree in medicine, as he'd won a place due to his high aptitude, but in, instead he started playing the piano and singing in bars, as you do, I suppose. Then he, he was encouraged by Edwina Mountbatten, uh, came to England and opened at the Café de Paris in London in 1927 as uh, part of a double act with his friend Opal Cooper. That's a great name too. And the two made a record together, Moonlight on the Ganges and Because I Love You and also appeared in Variety at the Holborn Empire. And then Hutch went on to become second pianist in the pit in the Rogers and Hart musical One Darn Thing After Another, which opened in 1927, then moved from the Café de Paris to another London club, Chez Victor, in 1927, but this time without his mate, Cooper. He became a darling of society, it's noted, and uh, very popular in general, and was the favourite singer of the then Prince of Wales, the later King Edward VIII, of course, and was a major star in Britain during the 20s and 30s, and for a time, the highest paid star in the country. He certainly looks wealthy in the picture, I must admit, he has an air of wealth in his clothes and his demeanour, and the car behind him all looked pretty uh, upmarket, to say the least. Often on the BBC, uh, These Foolish Things was one of his. But uh, he became rather embittered, it's noted, by being frequently obliged to enter parties via the servant's entrance 
in spite of his popularity, and that, of course, would be because he was a black guy. Totally, uh, yeah, unacceptable altogether, but you could see why he'd be very embittered indeed. Uh, I also note, in between all of this, he clearly had a, a, quite a bit of charm, and that he uh, married Ella Bird, who was uh, came from African, well, actually mixed ancestry, I think, English, Chinese and English and African, which is a, a great mix. They got married in uh, New York, and they had a daughter, Leslie Bagley. Um, he then went on to father another seven children with six different women. He clearly lived, uh, as my mother might have said, <laughs> to say the least. Um, and there's another one. Oh, yes. In 1930, one of his mistresses, the British debutant Elizabeth Spurling, was discovered to be pregnant with his child. Her family tried to hush up the affair. Wasn't the accepted thing then, was it? Having a child out of wedlock, hastily marrying Spurling off to an army officer, Colonel Arthur Corbett, and attempting to pass off the child as his own. However, when it was born and discovered to be of mixed race, Corbett refused to acknowledge her as his own. Oh dear. And Spelling's outraged father, the former diplomat, sued Hutch. He then had more affairs and, oh my lordy, what a life, is all I can say. What a life. They, yes, you listen to them and you think they were all perfect manners and yeah and they may, they might have been but dear me they got round things otherwise what a thought Thank you. 
there are swinging the classics or jazzing the classics, as it's known, a living era CD, jazzing the classics vintage style. Original mono recordings from 1935 to 1949. We've been dipping in and out of that one over the last few weeks. And that, you might have noticed, or you might not, was Bizet. Bizet has his day, it's called, with Les Brown and his orchestra, normally known as Les Brown and his orchestra of renown. Uh, Bizet has his day, based on the prelude from the incidental music to Alphonse Doudet's play La Lésienne, uh, La Lésienne, if I can get it right, from 1872 by, yes, you've guessed, Bizet. First name? Any guesses? Yes, well done if you shouted George. George Bizet. Not bad. Quite, you recognise the tune probably, Robin, knowing exactly where it came from. But... I've been enjoying those ones. Yeah, we'll dip into a few more of those. I enjoyed Bing last week so much that I kept the CD in the bag. Bing Crosby on the sentimental side, and I thought, we'll have a bit more Bing. You can never have too much Bing. It's not right to save him just for Christmas, is it? So why not? Here he is with a bit of a medley. To the tune of a hickory stick I was your queen in calico You were my bashful barefoot bow And I rode on your sleigh I love you, Joe When we were a couple of kids Sunbonnet Sue, Sunbonnet Sue Sunshine and roses ran second to you Look so nice. I kissed you twice under your sunbonnet blue. It was only a kind of a kid kiss, but it tasted lots nicer than pie. And the next thing I knew, I was dead stuck on you. When I was a kid so high Look out, look out, look out for Jimmy Valentine For he's a pal of mine, a sentimental crook with a touch that lingers in his sandpapered fingers, he can find the combination of your pocketbook. Look out, look out, for when you see his lantern shine, that's the time to jump right up and shout. Help! He'd steal a horse and cart, he'd even steal a girlie's heart when Jimmy Valentine gets out. every schoolhouse in the nation and I'd write upon the blackboard big and clear instead of one there will be two vacations each vacation six months twice a year and there wouldn't be no school when it was raining I'd let you stay at home when it was fair 
you'd have free soda fountains Say I'd build you ice cream mountains If I was a millionaire uh, Another unmistakable voice and one yeah, you can't have too much of, Bing, can you? In my household, it was always associated, at least in my mind, with Christmas, because that's when he was most likely to be played with Perry Como and Teresa Brewer and such like. No reason particularly, but he just came out and there were a couple of Bing records which always were played every Christmas for the first, oh, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years of my life, maybe more. I'm happy to say I've saved them. I had the vinyl. Maybe I should dig them out this Christmas. There is a, an actual turntable in Studio 3 here. I keep threatening to do it. I know John Barker on the Tuesday Folk Show says he's going to do a vinyl special, so if he does one, perhaps it'll inspire me. There's only one turntable, though, so it might make it quite hard work compared to uh, using the trusty CDs. We'll see. We'll see how we get to. Anyway, there we go. Did you uh, recognise some of those ones? A medley of Gus Edwards. Subane Sue was the first one, followed by Jimmy Valentine, the crook, and then If I Was a Millionaire. Now, it is Sweet and Swing. It is H. Lovely to have your company as ever until the top of the hour. We're here, of course, every Friday evening. And don't forget, if you can't listen live, then you like the music, you can listen again on the Listen Again feature. Or, better still, go and download the podcast. You can go to the Max Radio website or your other podcast providers. Download and enjoy wherever, whenever you want, for as long as you want. Yeah, wonderful music. You probably struggle to find some of it elsewhere unless you've got a good collection yourself. And who knows? I like to try and think we play a little something for everyone. Like this next one. No, don't nod off to sleep just yet because it's quite relaxing in the scale of things. It is Reginald Leopold and the Grand Hotel Palm Court Orchestra. And it's a little bit of meditation.
Now, how was that? Was that suitably meditative for you? In danger of nodding off at this time of the night with stuff like that, aren't you? Reginald Leopold and Grand Hotel with the Palm Court Orchestra. Terrific stuff. A man of some stature, as it's noted, a violinist who played in several of the pre-war dance bands and then switched to light music, which he sort of stuck with for the rest of his life. Born in Holloway. Yeah, proper old London, that, 1907. The eighth child in a very musical family. Opus 8, he described himself as. <laughs> and he was encouraged by his headmaster and got a scholarship to Trinity College of Music where he led a symphony orchestra and also a chamber group, which included, amongst their members... Mantovani and George Melacrino. Not too bad, was it? Also very au fait with lots of popular music and recorded with several dance bands, including the likes of Lou Stone and Jay Wilbur and Howard Jacobs. And uh, he wanted to sort of avoid playing in the large orchestras, so he began playing for the silent films. Uh, and quite into the jazz. You wouldn't recognise it from there, would you, necessarily? It sounds far more classical. But by the age of 18, he was uh, Mantovani's deputy at the uh, Berkeley Hotel and then led the Trocadero Grill Room Orchestra, which gave him the experience to become something of a regular with Carol Gibbons and the Savoy Orpheans. The Savoy, of course, being the place at the time, the top place. Still there. Pretty good. I can't afford to stay there, certainly. I can't tell you how good it is these days. But they certainly charge enough out, out of size of my pockets. He also uh, sat alongside Hugo Rignold, uh, another great violinist, and took more serious uh, route and started uh, playing, introduced Reg to the uh, Fred Hartley sextet, did old Hugo, which was very popular at the time. Another man who liked to live. You see, you hear this music and you think, ah, oh, yes, they'll be sitting back with a cup of Earl Grey and whatever. No, uh, Reginald Leopold, when he wasn't playing meditative violin, rather liked fast cars. And he owned a Bugatti. Yeah. Now, you try buying a Bugatti now and you won't have much money left from a million or two, I think. And also an Alfa Romeo. Uh, he won several races at Brooklands, uh, driven by the band leader, the one I can never pronounce, Buddy Featherstonehaw. And then went on to be a drove in later life, he said, a Rover 3.5 Coupe, which was an armchair on wheels. <laughs> You would not put that violin playing with driving a Bugatti at Brooklyn's, would you? No, you wouldn't. It's time for a bit of Flanders and Swan. introduce to the piano the well-known pianist composer linguist also contains lanolin donald swan <laughs> uh, i must be michael flanders we write songs donald swan here writes the music i write the words some of these songs you may possibly have heard in reviews at line born and so on Others, Others you're less likely to have heard unless you've patronised this palace of culture before. 
They're the ones we write that we like to sing ourselves. And that's what we're still going to do. We, uh, we feel we're following this trend towards uh, simplification in the theatres, you know. There have been uh, reviews without scenery, been reviews without costume. And this is a review without scenery, without costume, except what Moss Bros is very kindly known to us. <laughs> Even without a cast, which does make everything very much easier, we find also cheaper. This uh, up the... Uh, it's at the back here, I draw your attention to, is not a curtain, it's a photograph of a curtain by Tony Armstrong Jones. <laughs> um, welcome. Welcome from both of us to our Farrago. Eke out our imperfections with your thoughts, to coin a phrase. Think, think when we talk of horses that you see them printing their proud hoofs in the receiving earth. I don't think we do actually talk of horses. This song isn't about horses. Uh, this one is about buses. Well, buses we've all seen. Great big red things rushing about. We had one outside here, actually, about uh, 20 minutes ago. Did you see it? I did, yes. With private on it, looking very lost. <laughs> I, I can remember when it was a general. <laughs> this was uh, long... Uh, <laughs> if you laugh and applaud, it means you're terribly old, and we have to go terribly slowly for that. <laughs> Omnibus, my friend Mr Swan informs me, comes from the Latin, omnibus. <laughs> meaning to or for, by, with or from everybody, which is a very good description. <laughs> this, uh, well, this song is uh, about a bus. It's wittily subtitled, I thought of this, A Transport of Delight. Some people like a motorbike, some say a tram for me, or for Bonnie, or Lonnie. They delay them down and deep. Such means of locomotion seem rather dull to us. The driver and conductor of a London omnibus. Hold very tight, please, ting ting. Hold very tight, please, ting ting. When you are lost in London and you don't know where you are, you'll hear my voice a calling both further down the car. And very soon you'll find yourself. Inside the terminus in a London transport diesel engine, 97 horsepower omnibus. Along the Queen's Great Highway, I drive my merry load at 20 miles per hour in the middle of the road. We they like to drive in convoys, we're most gregarious. The big six wheeler scarlet painted a London transport diesel engine, 97 horsepower omnibus. Earth has not anything to show more fair. Mind the stairs, mind the stairs. stairs. Earth has not anything to show more fair. Any more fair, any more fair, any more fair, any more fair. When cabbies try to pass me before they overtake, I sticks me flipping hand out and I jams on all my brakes. Them jackal taxi drivers can only swear and cuss behind that monocoque road. Observer of the highway code. That big six wheeler. Scarlet painted. London transport. Diesel engine. I stops when I'm requested, although it spoils the ride, so we can shout. Get out of it, we're full right up inside. <laughs> we don't ask much for wages, we only want fair shares. So, so cut, cut down all the stages and stick up all the fares. If tickets cost a pound apiece, why should you make a fuss? It's worth it just to ride inside. 30 foot long by 10 foot wide. Inside that monocoque that observer of the highway code. That big six wheeler scarlet painted London transport diesel engine. 97 horsepower. 97 horsepower omnibus. Hold very tight, please. Oh. 
classic, classic stuff. Flanders and Swan with a transport of delight. My brother and I used to do that. It's not an easy thing to do. Tricky piano part to play, and uh, it's, it's quite tricky to sing as well, uh, as you can gather. It's uh, quite a few words, a bit of a repetitive there, and but a great song when you get it right. We used to do it in cabaret, and it was always very, very popular. Haven't done it for a while, perhaps we were to bring it back again. Wonderful Ted Heath. Who else? What a band. Uh, what a great sound. Very modern at times as well, I thought, uh, some of the Ted Heath music. One of the most successful post-war big bands, of course. And not always uh, so easy for him. He was born 
at the beginning of the 20th century, well, early years anyway, 1902, and was taught the tenor horn by his dad, who was then conductor of the Wandsworth Borough Band, uh, was a good brass player and started entering competitions in his teens, took up the trombone, which is probably the instrument he was most closely associated with shortly after that. But uh, at the end of the First World War, his father was ill, and uh, Ted had to go out supporting his family, working as a street musician to make ends meet for his family. So not the easiest of starts in life. But um, skill or skill without, is that the right phrase? Not luck without, but you know what I mean, talent without perhaps. Before long he found regular work and gave up busking in favour of uh, more graceful work. In the summer of 22 he went on a tour of Austria with the American Will Marion Cook's Southern Syncopators. Uh, but then unfortunately had to find his way home because the group got stuck in Vienna. <laughs> And then in December later that year, with his brother Bert on trumpet and uh, the band leader to be Percival Mackey on piano, Ted made his first recordings as part of a very short-lived group called the Broadway Five for Columbia. I think they're still around those recordings. I don't know if I've got any or not. But as I say, uh, talent will out, and by the mid-twenties onwards, his reputation grew steadily, and he was, well, he played as a sideman in most of the leading British bands of the day. He worked with Jack Hilton, he worked with Bert Ambrose, he worked with Sid Lipton, he worked with Morris Winnick, and he worked with Geraldo. And as a commercial session player, he was regularly called and he was, uh, yeah, got a lot of experience, a lot of work, and then went on, of course, to form, like I said, one of the best big bands in post-war years. His most famous number, perhaps, that lovely weekend, a setting of a poem by Ted's wife, Moira, became a great hit for uh, Geraldo, who originally commissioned the song. And... Stan Tracy, Stan Tracy, the great Stan Tracy, the pianist, played in Ted Heath's band as well, of course. I promised you a little bit of jazz from Belgium, and it is. It's from a box set called Jazz in Belgium, but interestingly, the actual CD is Jazz in Paris. A few of these are at the moment, Nuage. <laughs> Thank you. 
the wonderful tune by Django Reinhardt, of course. Nuage. Uh, there have been a few more of them round of late after a spell of wonderful weather on the Isle of Man. I hope that's not it for the summer. As I say, played there by Gus Visser on accordion with a Boulogne on guitar and Roger Paraboshi at the drums. Why Jazz in Paris is in a box set called Jazz from Belgium, I don't know. I'll leave you to ponder that. Same time, same place, next week. Look after yourselves. Cheerio. Cheerio.